All right, well, we're going to get right into the Word of the Lord for tonight. We began a couple weeks ago in this series on the mind-brain connections dealing with the book of Exodus. And we started out talking about how that Moses' name means to be drawn out simply because he was drawn out of the water. Now, you know, we could teach the whole Bible using the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere. We could teach the whole Bible dealing with what the Greeks embraced as the five different levels of consciousness being the earth, the water, the air, the fire, which constitutes the mind of Christ. But when we began in Exodus, we talked about the fact that Moses' mother at three months of age put him in a basket, put him in the Nile River, and then he was drawn out, hence his name means to be drawn up out of the water. And that's what we're dealing with as we deal with the five different levels of consciousness that the Greeks embraced. He was taken out of the water, raised up to the air, then to the fire in the burning bush, the story of the burning bush, and that constitutes in our lives the mind of Christ, as I said. So we dealt with that in the first message from Exodus. And then secondly, we looked at the burning bush and we discussed that as being the mountain of fire where Moses was running from Pharaoh. And as he was running, he went into the Mount of Horeb or what I call the mountain of fire. And that is where the spirit, fire represent spirit, that is where the spirit began to speak to him when he asked the father, who should I say uh, sent me? They're not going to believe that I was sent by you to bring them out of Egypt. And God spoke to him, or the Spirit spoke to him on the fire of, or the mountain of fire, and told him, tell them that I am, that I am, sent you. Now what I want to do tonight is progress from that and go to Exodus chapter 4. And I want to talk about several different scenarios that we find there. What are we doing? Well, we are looking at these stories in the Old Testament, and we are not interpreting them in a literal sense. As a matter of fact, I had a guy respond today. I responded to a Facebook message that he had put on, and he came back and he responded to my comment, and he said, you know, it's religion that has taught us to interpret the scriptures literally, but the spirit mind is what teaches us to interpret the scriptures parabolically, metaphorically, symbolically, and allegorically. And I agree 100%. So what we're going to talk about in Exodus chapter 4 are the throwing down of the rod. Remember, Moses was told to throw down the rod. It turned into a serpent. Then he was told to take it by the tail. Then he was told, and this all came out of the fact that Moses said to God, you know, the Israelites are not going to believe me. They're in Egypt. They're in bondage. But they're not going to believe that I was sent to bring them out of that Egyptian bondage. And so God said, if they're not going to believe by you telling them, I am that I am sent you, what I want you to do is take your rod. What is it that you have in your hand? I want you to throw it down. And then later he told him to pick it up by the tail. And then we know it turned back into a uh, rod again. And then he told him in the second scenario to take his hand, put it in his bosom. When he pulled it out, it was white. It was pure. It was leprous, as uh, one with leprosy, which leprosy is that which causes the skin to turn white, but in a negative sense. Then he was told to put his hand back in his bosom again and to pull it out, and it was as the flesh. And then later on, he said, well, if they're not going to believe those two miracles, what I want you to do is take water from the river, pour it on the dry land, the left hemisphere, and it will turn into blood. 
And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. I want to give you some illustrations here concerning the throwing down of the rod, the putting of the hand in the bosom, and the water that is poured on the dry land representing the left hemisphere and it turning into blood. So what we see here in Exodus chapter 4, let me say a few things before we begin here. As we look at this throwing down of the rod, or us, we represent this rod. We represent this, this rod, and we at one time were in Egyptian bondage, and that's what caused all of our condemnation and guilt and so forth, you know, from the left side. We were in Egypt. We were in bondage. We had all of this stuff going on in our lives that promoted something or caused a, a negative manifestation. So Egypt symbolically talks about or represents the lower thoughts of the mind. Pharaoh represents the ego. And we've had to deal with ego from time to time. Moses represents us in the sense that Moses represents the right hemisphere or the child instinct within us. And then the Red Sea, where it says they crossed the Red Sea as they left Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea to come into the wilderness. And the Red Sea represents the churning of our emotions. Now, scripture for that is Isaiah 57, 20, where it says there, Isaiah said that the wicked, and it doesn't mean wicked as in adultery or fornication or getting drunk or smoking or drinking. It's not that at all. The wicked there means the restless. And it says the restless are like the troubled sea. The restless are those that are living out here in the troubled sea. And so that's why I say the Red Sea represents the emotions. You see, we're all keyed up, you know, in our emotions. Our emotions are all jacked up when we live on the left, out of the left hemisphere. Now, if you want to follow along here, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. And here it says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And so what does this point to? This simply points to the fact that God's people, when they're in bondage to the lower thoughts represented by Egypt, they do not believe when the I am within them begins to speak. You may even be doubting some of the things that I'm saying. You see, but we've all done this. We've heard the voice of the Lord, but yet because we have been living so much by emotions or by the, the lower thoughts of the earth realm, we have doubted what the voice of God has spoken to us. And that's what verse 1 represents. We've all gone through that where the voice of the I am speaks within us and we have doubted what we have heard or disbelieved what we have heard. Then it goes on in verses 2 and 3, and it says, And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he, Mo said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And notice Moses fled from before it. And you know that what, when you see what this represents, this rod and this serpent, this rod turning into the serpent when he throws it down, then you'll understand that many people are fearful of what we're teaching. The church, you know, religion discourages you from meditation. They don't want you to progress. I mean, after all, we're just waiting for the glory train to rapture us away or waiting until we die and go in the pie in the sky and the sweet by and by and all of a sudden we're going to experience all that we are and all that we have always been. So people are fearful of this. The religious church is very fearful, you see, of, of what we're teaching here. And so this is what it is saying. He was told to throw it down 
cast it on, cast the rod on the ground. It turns into a serpent, and Moses flees from it. He's afraid of it. Now, this rod is symbolic of our spine, and I'm going to explain that as we go through this. This rod that he was told to throw down is symbolic of our spine, and the serpent is allegorical of the energy that goes up our spine from the solar plexus up our spine in a serpentine motion. Christianity calls this that I'm describing the book of life. Some in Christianity do. The Hindus call it Kundalini. Doctors and chiropractors call it the Caduceus. And it refers to the female energy, or some call it the sleeping serpent. Now listen, the sleeping serpent as the energy is awakened when we go into meditation. I don't care what level of meditation you go into. You may not feel it. Nothing may happen. But when you go into meditation of any kind, and especially at night when you go to bed, you begin to lay on your bed in the dark room and you begin to meditate, that energy begins to do something within your body regardless of whether you can see anything change or feel anything whatsoever. Now, this rod of Moses here that he was told to throw down also represents authority. Now, remember, when we were in Egypt, the place of bondage, and, and this is Egypt, the earthly thoughts, the place of bondage and fear and guilt, in these five stages that the Greeks embraced that we've been talking about, the earth, the water, the air, the fire, which constitutes the mind of Christ, once you enter into the water from the realm of the earth, once you enter into the water, that starts by meditation, at least to some degree. And remember, Moses' name means drawn out because he was drawn out of, out of the water. And Moses represents the child impulse within us. And we talked about raising the child quite often, so I'm not going to go through all of that. But we've crossed the churning emotions of the Red Sea. We've come into this wilderness. And in this wilderness, just as with Moses, we come into a place of meditation. Remember? But Moses was running from Pharaoh because he wanted to kill him, and he came into Mount Horeb, and he came to the highest consciousness, and that's what a mountain is in the scripture. It represents you, you have valleys, and you have hills, and you have mountains. So he ran into Mount Horeb. In other words, he came into this wilderness, or he came into this, this high place of consciousness, and that's when the spirit within him began to speak to him, and that's when he came in contact with the burning bush, and he heard, you know, tell them I am that I am sent you. Now, in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1, and in 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 9, 8 or 9 there, I think it's verse 8 if I'm not mistaken, it describes this electrical energy. In Revelation 5, 1, it talks about the book within, and it's sealed on the back side with seven seals. We can liken that to our spine. Also, in 1 Kings 6 and verse 8, it talks about the winding stairway. And let me just simply hasten to say that all of those things, the earth, the water, the air, and the fire, and the mind of Christ, all of those things represent different levels of consciousness that we come into. The earth, the lowest level of the earth is just carnal thoughts in the left hemisphere. The water represents the place where we start to meditate and the truth begins to reveal to us. And then you come to the air and that represents the place where you experience taking no thought. And then you come to the fire where the spirit really begins to show you, I am that I am. 
and it's all an electrical energy. You see, you can ask any neurosurgeon or neurologist and they will tell you that our brain works, in fact, our whole body works by electrical energy. So this wilderness here is just describing the operation of the electrical energy that came as a result of Moses' meditation. And as he crossed that Red Sea of the churning emotions, he began to experience that. Now, I'm not going to read it, but uh, I'm not going to have you turn there. But let me quickly read Revelation 5.1, and then I'll read 1 Kings 6.8 to just get a little idea of where I'm coming from. But Revelation 5.1 says, And I saw in the right hand right hemisphere of him that sat on the throne the higher thoughts a book written within and that's the book of life that we're talking about and on the back side the spine sealed with seven seals and what is that talking about we have been all sealed up not only spiritually because of religiosity but we have been all sealed up even in our bodies see we we need to no longer try to separate spirit and body. And we've said that a lot in this series. This is what religion has taught us to do, to separate, say, this is the body and this is the spirit. And the spirit is in a greater place or in God's mind it's greater than the body. No, it's not. Whatever happens in us spiritually, the anointing that flows in our spirit is the same anointing in the same measure that flows within our physical bodies. And it is called, as I said, the Hindus call it the kundalini. That's that serpentine motion that goes up the spine that releases all of the blockages in the spine and then it affects the pineal gland, it affects the pituitary, and we talked about that before, how that gets the, the white milky substance to flow and it flows into the pituitary and it becomes a golden substance or a golden color and that is the land flowing with milk and honey. You are experiencing, see, we are experiencing the land flowing with milk and honey within us. All of that is allegorical of something that is happening within us. Now listen to 1 Kings 6, 8. This is concerning Solomon's temple, and it says the door for the middle chamber was in the right side, or the right hemisphere, of the house, which we are. And they went up, listen, they went up with winding stairs. That's the energy going up the spine or up the solar, from the solar plexus up, the world calls it chakras and New Age calls it chakras. I like to call it the energy fields. Either way, it's the same thing. And it says into the middle chamber, they went up the winding stairway into the middle chamber or the center of the brain known as the pineal, the middle of the brain known as the pineal, and out of the middle unto the third to the pituitary. So what this is saying in 1 Kings 6, 8 is there was this electrical energy through meditation and it has to happen in meditation whether you see it, feel it, or anything takes place that you are aware of. It happens each and every time. You, it's a law of the body. You cannot meditate without the energy beginning to be released from the solar plexus going up the spine affecting the pineal flowing into the pituitary, and you began, at least in some measure, to experience the land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. Now, religion won't tell you this. Religion, you know, shuns this type of teaching. And the reason why is because they're still thinking in thoughts of duality where the spirit and the body are concerned. We cannot separate any longer spirit and body. And one of the ways we have done that in the past is to believe that there's nothing that we can experience in our bodies until we die, until the rapture takes place. 
In other words, we push it off to some future time. And you know what the Bible says about that? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. See, we can experience all of this God stuff in us now. And as we look at these things allegorically and symbolically and parabolically, then we can see how all of this can take place and is taking place within our bodies right now. Now, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, here we see where Moses fled from Pharaoh and he went, notice what it says, he went to the backside of the desert. Let me read that. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led, he led the flock to the backside of the desert or the wilderness. It even talks about the backside. And he came to the mountain of God, even unto Horeb, or the mountain of fire, or the mountain of God, or the mountain of meditation. And this is where he had the encounter with the burning bush on the backside of the desert. And that's where he encountered the highest level of consciousness that had to do with the fire. Remember, it was earth and then water and air and fire. And that is where from within, it wasn't some, you know, bush that, you know, he saw that was on fire necessarily in an external sense to him. Because we talked about the fact that the bush was attached to the earth. And what is the first realm of consciousness? The earth. From the carnal side, the earth represents the mind as a whole. And so what was taking place here was that this burning bush that represents us and represented Moses himself, he, he wasn't necessarily seeing a, a, a bush burning and a voice coming out of the bush. The voice was coming out of him. He was hearing that still small. He came in contact with the highest level of consciousness, which was fire. And that's where he heard the words, tell them, I am that I am sent you. Amen. Now, in Exodus chapter 4, which I've already read a little bit, Moses is talking here to this burning bush, and God is telling him to do this, to do the other, but we need to understand this is us. And in verse 1 it says, or Moses said, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe that you sent me to deliver them out of this left hemisphere, out of this bondage of Egypt. And see, perhaps many, uh, uh, some of you may, or many even listening today on this YouTube presentation are thinking, you know, the same thing. You know, I don't believe what this is saying. I don't believe that this is allegorical of what's happening within us. Well, Moses didn't either. He had a problem, you see. So as we believe these things and as we embrace these things and as we understand that we have to look at them allegorically rather than literally, because by looking at them literally, it's just going to be a history story for us. And what good is that going to do for us? So we have to see the symbolic and the allegoric substance of these verses of Scripture. Now, notice what it says in verse 3 of Exodus chapter 4 then. God is beginning to deal with Moses here. And Moses has just said, they're not going to believe me. So he says in verse 3 to Moses, the Lord said, take this rod. What do you have in your hand, Mo? And he said, well, I have a rod. And the Lord said, throw it in the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. Mm -hmm. Now, as I've already stated, one of the things that this serpent or this rod represents is your spine. <coughs> it represents the physical aspect of the flesh. Because let me ask you, when you think of your spine, what do you think of? Well, you think of your body. Or you could think of a flesh, your flesh in a good sense. So when, when God is telling Moses to throw down this rod, 
He's saying, I want you to throw down your natural authority or I want you to throw down your flesh, trusting in the external or trusting in the flesh. I want you to relinquish all of that natural authority that you think you have. I want you to relinquish all of that flesh realm that you think you have and that you think is going to do something great for you. And as you relinquish that, you see, then what's going to happen is that rod's going to turn into a serpent, or in other words, you're going to experience the energy. You're going to experience that electrical energy come from the solar plexus, go up through the energy fields, and affect your pineal gland and also your pituitary. Amen. So in the throwing down of the rod, what is he saying? What is God saying to Moses? He's saying, take your own natural authority, relinquish your flesh, and as you do, that energy is going to go up your spine in a serpentine motion and affect your body for good. Then he goes on to say, and he says in verse 4, he says unto Moses, Now put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And so he put forth his hand and he caught it and it became a rod in his hand. Now what does this mean, this phrase, to take it by the tail? Well, the electrical energy begins at the tailbone. That's where the solar plexus are, the lower part of the body. The energy starts at the coccyx or at the tailbone, the, the solar energy that we're talking about or this electrical energy that we're talking about. So what is this saying here? Take it by the tail. What it is showing us is that any time we move in our own flesh or our own natural authority, guess what's going to happen? It's going to stop the flow of that electrical energy or hinder the flow of that electrical energy. In other words, it's up to us. You can throw it down, but then you can pick it up again. You can throw down the fleshly mentality, the left hemisphere or the left side, or you can pick it up again and stop the process of the flowing of that energy as you pick it up again, you see. And so, so this is what he's saying to us. You can either throw it down and have the energy flow or you can pick it up by the tail and have it stop at the coccyx or at the tailbone where it normally starts to, to begin to flow through that meditation that you're doing. Now, that's simple, right? We have been given dominion. We have authority. We are light beings. I put a post on Facebook today, and I said, we are light beings. We're full of light. And the scripture says, Jesus says, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. Even though you're full of light and you're light beings, you still direct that energy. You still make the decision to either experience it or cut it off. It's up to us because we have dominion. We have dominion. We have all things. We've been given all things, but it's up to us whether we experience those things or don't experience those things. It's up to us to at least begin the energy to flow up and free all of those energy fields within us that can cause us to have disease and all kind of problems when they're all blocked up in the natural. Or we can pick up our own energy, our own natural authority, throw it down or pick it up and experience it or not experience it. It's all up to us. Now, notice what he goes to him to say then in verse 6. Here's another scenario, or another miracle, if you will. And the Lord said, Furthermore unto Moses, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, 
And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. Didn't mean he had leprosy, but it was white because when a person gets leprosy, their skin turns white in a negative sense. So let me read that again. Putting out forth thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. Now hand means two things. Hand speaks of allegorically or symbolically ministry. But it also speaks of anointing or energy. Okay? It speaks of hand, speaks of ministry, and it speaks of anointing or energy. And so what is happening here is, and I do this every time I minister. I've done it for years. And, you know, I believe that you and I should learn to do this when we go into a meeting. If we really want to hear what is being spoken, put your hand, not necessarily literally, but put your hand in your bosom and pull it out again. What is that saying? That is saying that I want to hear by the Spirit. That I'm taking the ministry, I'm taking the anointing, I'm taking the energy, and I'm taking it into myself rather than trusting in an external energy or anointing. I am putting my hand in my bosom, pulling it out, and that is allegorical and symbolic of me consciously realizing that what flows from me has to flow from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Now notice what he goes on to say in verse 7. And he said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again. And he plucked it out of his bosom. Now listen. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. Now this is exactly as that first miracle, the throwing down the rod that we talked about. In other words, you determine whether you want that energy to flow. You determine whether you want your ministry to flow from the inside or from the outside in. And that's what this is talking about. The throwing down of the rod is doing your own thing, your own way, throwing down that so-called fleshly authority that you think you have. And when you throw it down, it becomes a serpent, or in other words, the energy begins to flow. But when you pick it back up, you see, what are you doing? You're picking the external back up and the energy will stop flowing it's up to you and it's up to me and in this one here he said put your hand or put your energy your own fleshly energy you see bring it to the inside in other words consciously realize that you must in ministry where the anointing where the energy is concerned that you must trust in the energy from the inside rather than the energy from the left side or from the outside. See, and all of this is symbolic of, and so can you see how that if we look at these stories just in a literal sense as something happening in history, it does very, it does nothing for us, really. It's just a nice little story. But if we can make it allegorically and symbolically and bring it home to where we are, then we get something out of it. See, we take our own natural fleshly energy and we throw it down. We put our hand in our bosom, as it were, acknowledging the fact that we must live from the inside out rather than from the outside in, where ministry and where energy and where anointing is concerned. Now, look what it goes on to say then in verse 8. Here's another thing. He says, now, if, if people are not going to, if they're not going to believe you because of, you know, throwing down the rod and putting the hand in the bosom, verse 8 says, and it shall come to pass if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign 
but they will believe the voice of the latter sign. In other words, you've gone into this meditation and you have felt this energy rising up from the solar plexus up through the spine in a serpentine motion. You know that that serpentine mo uh, movement or motion has begun. See, last week I think I, I shared with you, or the week before, how that many times we identify a serpent with something evil. We don't want anything to do with a serpent. But you know what? We're identified with a serpent. Because the scripture tells us to be wise as a serpent. Well, what's the characteristic of a serpent? A serpent, when a serpent gets parasites on its outer skin, what it'll do is just slip out of the outer skin and slip into a brand new skin. So in other words, when we have parasitic thoughts from the left hemisphere, what we need to do is just simply slip into the mind of Christ and that'll take care of the parasites of the outside that drain our energy and stop that energy from flowing within our life. So what he's saying here in verse 8, if they're not going to listen to the first sign, they're going to listen to the latter sign. And listen to the latter sign in verse 9. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also the first two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river. Here it is. Take, Moses, take the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land. That represents the dry land is the earth on the left hemisphere out here. <coughs> pour it on the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Now, what's happening here? You have this serpent, and if they don't believe that, then put your hand in your bosom. And if they don't believe that, then do this, as it says in verse 9. Take the water out of the river, pour it upon the dry land, the earth, that first level of awareness. Pour it on the dry land, and it'll turn into blood. So what is this talking about? Well, we found out, you know, when we started talking about this and the five different levels of consciousness that the Greeks embraced, we found out that the water is the stage above the earth. So he, and we found out how that, you know, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 6 says, I want you to leave the principles of the doctrines of Christ and grow up. And one of them was, what, baptisms. And I shared with you how, number one, the baptisms there is water baptism and spirit baptism. And he's saying, I want you to move beyond that and grow up. So we found out that true baptism, because you can get your head wet in baptism, but never have your mind washed. Right. And so Paul the Apostle said in Ephesians chapter 5, he talked there about the washing of the water of the word. So what is this talking about? This is simply talking about <clears throat> taking the second stage of awareness, water. Take that water and pour it out on the left hemisphere. And as you pour it out on the left hemisphere, he was told, it's going to turn into blood. Now, what does the blood have to do with? Well, if you study the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, you find out that basically the same thing that's said about the blood is said about the spirit. Blood cleanses, spirit cleanses. And if you do a study on that, you'll find that blood and spirit in many places is synonymous one with another. So what he's saying here is if you take that second stage of consciousness, <clears throat> the water, and you pour it on the dry land, or you pour it on the left hemisphere, it's going to turn to blood. In other words, it's going to cleanse something. It's going to quicken that word, that water, or that word is going to be quickened within you, and it will
will bring you to the place to where all of the religiosity that you ever held to, you won't give a care about whatsoever. In fact, you will be so far removed from that that you never want to experience any of that duality or mixture whatsoever. So in other words, take this, this water or the second stage of consciousness, pour it on the lower thoughts of the left side, and there will come a change in awareness as it is turned into blood or as the spirit quickens it. And you know, sometimes we minister this. I've done this many, many times. And people thought I was absolutely asinine and crazy. But you know what? Down deep in their heart of hearts, they knew it was the truth. And the more they thought about it and mauled over it, the more they realized that it really was the truth. Before they knew it, they were in it hook, line, and sinker, and they were swallowed up. Why? Not because of what I was ministering, but because the water turned into blood. Because the Spirit revealed the truth. Because the Spirit quickened it, and they knew it. I, I put a post on today, and someone came back to me, and they said, you know, at first I had a little trouble with some of the things that you taught, but I'm now realizing that I've known that all along. Yeah. I'm waking up, and I've known that all along. And I wrote back to her, and I said, Dear heart, you have known that all along. You are only discovering something that has always been true about you and that you have always known. And see, that's what we're trying to do. I'm not trying to point you to me as a pastor or a teacher. What I'm desiring to do is point you to the one within, to the one all-knowing one within you that you can begin to live from the inside out rather than from the outside in and always need a pastor or a church or this or that. Scripture says you don't need any man to teach you. You know all things. Now, certainly we listen to people's teaching. But you know what? I can't teach anyone anything. It has to come by the Spirit quickening that. It has to come from the water being turned into blood. That's right. The water being turned into blood. So now we've seen what? We've seen the rod being thrown down, Moses taking in type or in allegorical story, taking that fleshly desire to be led by the external throwing that down, and as he throws that down, the energy begins to flow. <clears throat> the energy begins to flow from, from where? From the, the coccyx, from the lower part of the spine, from the tailbone. And then he picks it back up, and as he picks it back up, what is he doing? He is once again stopping. He's coming back to where he was before he threw down his own fleshly desire to be led from the outside. And the same way with the bosom, putting his hand in his bosom. What was he acknowledging? That it has to come. That ministry has to come from the inside out rather than from the outside in. It can't just be an an intellectual thing. Mm -hmm. What we're teaching here, unless it is quickened to you, unless this water, this word turns to blood, it's nothing but an intellectual high for you. And that doesn't get us too far. But you see, once the Spirit quickens it, once that water is turned into blood by the Spirit and quickened and made a reality to you, once that happens, then the intellect becomes one with Spirit. See, we need intellect. I'm not throwing that out. We need intellect. We need to be able to think. We need natural reasoning. God gave us that. Nothing wrong with that. But unless it is swallowed by Spirit, it's just intellect. It's just natural It's not going to do a thing for us. So that's what the throwing down of the rod is and the putting of the hand into the bosom. Now, look at verse 10. 
And Moses said unto the Lord, I'm not elegant. He's making excuses. I remember a day when I did the same thing. Lord, I'm shy. I'm backwards. I can't speak. And I am normally a, the more quiet person. I was sharing with him Sunday night. People call me up on the phone, and I'm like, mm -hmm. waiting for them to talk, you know? Because I'm not much of a talker. I, I'm more of a listener, you see. And so I made the same excuses that Moses did. I remember when the Lord called me, you know, into ministry, I was like, whoa, who, me? There's no way. I can't talk. I'd have to get up in school. I would literally almost pass out if I had to do a book report or, or some kind of a speech or, you know, it was, it was the end of my day. I did not like that stuff at all. Now, this is what happened in verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since, Thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. So he's making excuses here, saying, well, I, you know, I'm not a talker. I, maybe he had a speech impediment. Who knows? Or maybe he was just more backwards. I don't know. And so what does God say? He said, well, your older brother Aaron can speak for you then. If you can't speak, then we'll use your elder brother. I hope you heard that. I heard it. The elder brother. Mm -hmm. Who is Christ? Our elder brother. That's right. You see? Our elder brother. And if our elder brother's not speaking from the right side, we ain't saying a whole lot of anything. Mm. See? We're just speaking from the external. It's just knowledge. It's just from intellect. Mm -hmm. See? It's got to be by spirit. So, I could make that excuse and he could come back and say, well, okay, your elder brother will speak for you. Well, thank you. Because that's who needs to speak. You see? So what have we seen? We've seen the throwing down of the authority, the fleshly, natural authority, experiencing that energy, but then you can pick that right back up. We've seen the taking of the hand, putting it into the bosom, which represents ministry, anointing, and authority, but you can pick that right up again and go right back to the left side as well. See, so the verse of Scripture that I hear in this in, in all that I've said tonight is Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. It is not by might, I'm going to add some words, it is not by mental might, left side, it is not by physical or material power, throw that snake down, throw that rod down, let it turn into a serpent. It is not by might, mental might, it's not by physical material power, but it is by my spirit, right side, saith the Lord. So what have we said all night? We don't go on our own natural authority, our own natural ministry from an external sense, but we allow the child to arise. We allow Moses, the one that was drawn out of the water, to arise. It has to be by the child. Remember Benjamin had to come to Joseph, or Joseph was not going to release any food or freedom to them. Remember David could not defeat Goliath until what? The child had arisen within him. See? So this is what we see in Exodus chapter 4. It's all about either the right hemisphere or the left hemisphere. Which one are we living out of? Now, next week we're going to jump and we're going to go to chapter 15 because I'm not going to do these chapters consecutively. But we're going to jump to chapter 15, Lord willing, next week. And we're going to deal with the first stop that Israel had when they left Egypt and crossed the Red Sea and came into the wilderness, the first stop was at the rivers of Marah. Remember that story? There were 42 stops in the wilderness. 
each one of them have something to do with whether we're living from the right side or the left side, the right hemisphere or the left hemisphere. I don't know that we're going to do all those stops, but each one of them are allegorical of something that is happening in us. But at that first stop, remember they came to the waters of Merah. The waters were bitter. And he said, God told Moses, take a tree and throw it into the waters and the bitter waters will be made sweet. And we'll deal with that next week. You're the tree, by the way. Uh -huh. And you've got to throw yourself into the bitter waters. You've got to throw yourself into the waters. And if you, as you throw yourself in the water, even though it's bitter, it'll become sweet. Because out of the bitterness, out of the Mara, out of the bitterness, is birthed the child. Mary means bitterness. Out of Mary, bitterness, was birthed the Christ child. So out of our bitterness, out of all of our religiosity, something is being birthed. As we are what? Throwing ourselves into the water, the second stage of consciousness, and allowing that which possibly has made us bitter. You know, and I don't get bitter because of what religion taught me. Because you know what? That's all they knew at the time. I don't think anyone was trying to deceive anyone on purpose. So there's no need for us to be mad at religion or upset with our former pastor that taught us a bunch of stuff. No sense doing that, mm -hmm. but just acknowledge the fact that, you know what, in the midst of that bitterness, because it did create a lot of bitterness in us. See, listen, when we go through stuff, it'll either make us bitter or better. I choose to allow religion that bamboozled and hoodwinked me to be used to make me better. Right. And it has. Mm -hmm. And it has. Mm -hmm. So we'll look at that next week as we look at the first stop in the wilderness at the rivers of Mara, the place of bitterness, where the tree was thrown in and the waters became sweet. And listen, it has nothing to do with them looking for literal, natural water. See, it's, it's much, much deeper than that. It has to do with the waters of the Word, us being baptized, our minds being baptized with the water of the Word and that water turning into blood being quickened, being made real, so that we can experience it and so we can walk in it. Father, we thank you tonight for your presence, for your word, for your spirit, our spirit that is quickening, making alive, making real, turning this word into blood, that everything from the left might be swallowed up, burned up, consumed in the fire of your presence of the right side. Thank you for this people. Thank you for how you're revealing yourself unto us in no uncertain terms. And thank you for your love and your grace. In the name of the Lord, amen. Amen, amen and amen. Amen. amen.